0: Andrea Michelle Canabel was a 37-year-old from Louisville, Kentucky. She was the mother of two and a volunteer in the missing persons community. In the early morning of August 13, 2019, Andrea left her sisters on foot, presumably to head back to her own home. Andrea's phone eventually pinged at her house, but no one actually saw her. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is unfound. One of the toughest kinds of disappearances to diagnose, and I can admit one of the hardest to explain to criminology students, I know from experience, is one in which two totally different scenarios are possible, due to the information pointing equally at both choices. This is most likely to happen in a situation like today's disappearance, when the person could have walked off, or the person could have been picked up. ...by some yet unknown person, where that individual could be a friend, enemy, or complete stranger. Some examples from Unfound's catalog are Jamie Bowen, Layla Faulkner, TJ Murray, and Dal Phillips. And we've covered many like this. What's most perplexing about this type is even if there are phone records and ping maps and social media tracking... That data only serves to complicate matters, not simplify them. This is the situation we have today with the disappearance of Andrea Knabel. We have information suggesting she most likely had someone pick her up. However, given how much walking she did that night, Andrea may have just decided to keep walking. And all of this is even more important, because Andrea is one of our own. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Linus' website, charlieproject.org. Andrea Knabel was one of the most giving people any of her friends and family knew. She gave as a mother, raising two boys the best she could. Andrea gave as an employee, working for a health insurance company with the hopes of getting as many people care as possible. She gave in her private life as well using her spare time to volunteer for missing persons organizations and spreading the word about disappearances. Yet, in doing all this giving, Andrea might have been a little too understanding of people's faults and bad choices, causing her to be surrounded by people who only had their own interests in mind. So on August 12th, 2019, Andrew was at her mother's house with her sister Sarah and Sarah's fiance, Ethan. This night and into the early morning of August 13th, Andrew was upset about many things. She walked to her sister Aaron's house. Aaron drove Andrea back home. But not long after, Andrea showed up again at Aaron's around 1 a.m. This time, Aaron would not allow Andrea into the house due to her behavior. After being refused entry, phone pings show that Andrea went back to her mother's and stayed in the area for at least a couple of hours. However, neither Sarah nor Ethan claim Andrea came inside. By this time, they were asleep, and Andrea's mother wasn't there. Andrea was never seen again. However, at least two people have been tracked down to say that Andrea called them in that 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. time frame. She was looking for a ride, but they did not pick her up. Andrea's disappearance got a lot of attention when it happened due to her being known as a missing persons advocate. In fact, besides Andrea's own family, some of the people who have kept Andrea's name in the news the most are those people who volunteered with her in the Louisville area. We applaud their efforts. Now Unfound gets its own chance to push the investigation forward. This starts by trying to answer these three questions. Number one, is it a coincidence or was it planned that Andrea's phone went off right around the time she disappeared? Number two, how should Andrea's knowledge of disappearances affect our assessments of her case? And number three, Why have Andrea's phone records not been able to solve her disappearance quickly since the police have them? Andrea's family is convinced she got picked up that morning, but they are unsure who did so. The guests for this episode are Andrea's father, Michael Knabel, and her sister, Erin Knabel. Unfound news. This is the first episode of February, so you know what that means newsletter. For this one, I detailed my outlook for Unfound for 2022. I gave all recipients my insight into most parts of Unfound, the episodes, the YouTube channel, etc. And I list some changes they can expect. To get on the email list, contact me at unfoundpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Next, and also because it's the first of the month. I hope you watched the most recent episode of Unfound Now. I discuss the November 2021 disappearance of Bowman from Studio City, California. Please watch the video and give it a thumbs up on our YouTube channel. Finally, yes, I'm still in Pennsylvania. Yes, it's cold. Yes, it snowed. And it's going to snow some more tomorrow. But I will probably be here until the end of February as I serve as my dad's chauffeur. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on iTunes, Pandora, Audible, Podomatic, Spotify, iHeart, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Deezer, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube... On Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us for the Unfound live show. Watch, ask questions, and give the show a thumbs up. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash Unfound Podcast. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash Unfound Podcast. I also need to give a huge shout out to all the people who have monetarily contributed using Super Chat during the live show on Wednesday nights. Thank you for watching and thank you for donating. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. The website theunfoundpodcast.com and please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums thank you i'm so happy to have on this episode of unfound the father of andrea kaneble mike kaneble and andrea's sister aaron aaron and mike welcome to unfound
1: thank you thank you edward
0: you're very welcome. Let's start here. Uh, it's very unusual. The, the listeners know I don't interview too. I haven't interviewed too many two people at one time, but it's maybe happened five or six times over the last five years. But uh, let's uh, talk about, you know, just the the general Knable family. How many um, children? Uh, the the general dynamics of the uh, the family. Everybody, you know, the kids growing up. Uh, interests and, and things like that. Why don't we start? Maybe Mike, uh, you can go first.
2: Okay. Um, I would say we would be we were a very traditional family growing up. Um, uh, you know, I, I married a a young woman that was uh, that was from the neighborhood. Uh, we we bought the traditional house. Uh, Andrea was our first child, mm-hmm. followed by Aaron and Sarah, and. Um, uh, we, oddly enough, we all went to the same schools, too. Wow. Uh, we all grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, Andrea was born um, first, um, you know, in, I believe it was 1981, and uh, she would now be 40 wow. years old, okay. hard to believe. And um, Aaron would be second. And then, of course, Sarah is the, is the baby in the family.
0: Uh-huh. Mike, uh, you the only guy, all your your wife and, and the children, all women.
2: That's right. And <laughs> um, that is a bit of an unusual situation for me since I grew up in a household with five boys in the family, wow. so it was in, indeed a, uh, a shock for me to be around uh, uh, women everywhere,
1: okay. All
2: even, right. even, even, the, even the dog.
0: Oh my, okay, so you, you didn't even get the dog, Mike. You didn't even get to pick a guy for the dog. Okay. No, I didn't. All right, gotcha. Uh, Aaron, uh, maybe you can tell me, um, what are the uh, age differences? How much older is Andrea than you are, and then of course your younger sister, what is the age separation there?
1: Okay. So Andrea was three years older than me. I was actually born on her third birthday. So that was always a fun situation growing up. Um, and then Sarah was just a year and a half younger than me. So huh. growing up, you know, Andrea was, a. It, it felt like she was a lot older than us, even though it was just three years. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of like the leader of the pack is how it felt. Mm-hmm. And Sarah and I kind of trailed behind her and followed her lead a lot of the times. Um, Uh It was a lot of fun. I I had a lot of fun with my sisters growing up.
0: You and Andrew have the same birthday? Yes. Wow. I'm sure there's a story behind that. I don't know if we want to get into that in this (laughs) interview with that. How did you, um, you know, of course, when you're born, you don't realize that, but how did you handle that? How did Andrea handle that? You know, at some point, maybe if she was three years older, like when you're nine and six, ten and seven, when those birthdays, you know, really, really start to mean something. How did you two handle sharing yeah. that day?
1: Well, for me, that, that was just my life. That's all I knew. So I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Andrea told me one one day that I was her favorite birth, or her best birthday present ever. And that's wow. something that I've always held really dear to my heart just thinking of that so I'm wanting I'm wanting to keep keep that going and, and continue to be her her best present by helping her now okay. um, but yeah we have some funny stories I, I always used to to tease her because when we were little she opened my new kids on the block to- uh, toy <laughs> <laughs> when when we were opening presents she would sometimes one time she accidentally opened my present so i used to joke with her about that <laughs> mm-hmm. and
0: i'm old enough to remember when new kids on the block were actually popular so okay yeah, uh, yeah new kids <laughs> on the block like eight, late 80s early 90s okay i remember that um you know, the, the three of uh, these three girls, Mike, would you say, and maybe, of course, Aaron, of course, want, probably wants to answer this too. Um, it's kind of the same personalities, different personalities, same interests. How would you, uh, what would you say, you know, comparing Andrea to Aaron and uh, your other daughter? Similar personalities or a wide array? Or how would you explain it? <laughs>
2: No, all three were completely different. Um, Andrea was, uh, I'd say, probably really well-rounded, very, very precocious ahead of her time academically, uh, socially, uh, in every way possible. I I know the... um, the, the show we made with uh, the Discovery Group predicted, you know, showed that she was a black sheep. She was exactly the opposite. She was she was the person ahead of her time. She got special treatment because. You know, she was special. She was extremely smart, and and uh, we even have to move her out of the school to, to find something that challenged her. Mm-hmm. So Andrea was that person. Erin was more of the middle child, very artistic and colorful, and liked to do uh, things artistically. And and then Sarah was um, she was somewhat well rounded, but she she was very good in school as well. But uh, she was uh, pretty much the jock in the family. She was uh, mm-hmm. uh, pretty very very talented. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sports-wise, and um, and then also make very good grades in school. So all three were completely different. Um, you know, as a father, uh, you love them all the same. Of uh, but they they're, they all have different talents, and but in my eyes, they're very, very equal. Mm-hmm.
0: Aaron, would you say that Andrew was more like, if you can answer this, was more like your mother or your father?
1: I've always said that she's a lot like Dad, and so much that I feel like they would... Butt heads, you know, just because of how uh, much like they are. With, you know, they can both be very strong willed mm-hmm. and determined. And that's an amazing quality to have because it causes you to be very driven in mm-hmm. life. Um, they're both very outgoing and may, they both make me laugh. And the positivity that they both bring to the table has always been something that can keep me going in my hard times. So I feel that uh, even though. Mm-hmm towards the last couple of years that we saw Andrea she Mm -hmm. she was closer to my mom I felt like she was always she always had the same qualities as my dad
0: huh all right so that's okay thank you for that so let's talk about Andrea like during her teenage years uh interests you've already said very intelligent you had to Maybe uh, find things to challenge her. Maybe educationally. Um, does that mean that she went to like a private school, or did she end up taking college classes early? What? And then you know uh, you've talked about your youngest daughter, um, Sarah, being into sports. Well, what was Andrea into? Let's cover all that.
2: Well, Andrea, Andrea did s- some sports too, as did all, all three of the children, but. You know, some children do it just for participation, and some get very, very serious, wanting to maybe make you know make a name for themselves in college or try for a scholarship or something like that. Andrea was just well-rounded. I think she used that uh, sports-wise. But no, Andrea um, and all three of my daughters went to a private elementary school, oh, okay. um, and we took Andrea made straight A's without even studying to bring books home, and so the, we we took her out of there and put her in a. A public middle school that is a, a science magnet uh, that was very challenging, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of people tried to get their kids in there because uh, it was so challenging. And and um, that, that's and I I do believe Andrea met her match there. Actually, she ran into a lot of kids that were as smarter or smarter oh, than her. Uh, I'm see. not sure that was a good thing or not. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, Aaron, uh, you know, the, the way, uh, you think about Andrea at that time, um, you know, her brain being three years older than you, did you share a, a lot in common? Of course you get to that point, maybe, you know, 14 and 11, you know, the differences, you know, start, you know, uh, both physically, emotionally, mentally. Uh, did you notice that? How did you handle that as she got into her teen years?
1: Um, I know that. I feel like when she became a teenager, I mean, of course she had moments where she wanted to be with her friends, you know, where she kind of branched out more like teenagers can do. But she also would spend time with me and teach. she taught me a lot. I remember mm-hmm. liking grunge music because of her, for example, like in okay. Atlantis Morissette, like I would kind of, I guess I kind of copied her. It was something I continued to do into my teenage years, but she would teach me how to, put my makeup on and hair and give me makeovers so that was always a lot of fun she Mm -hmm. taught me how to dance those were some things we did when we were teenagers And um, when she started driving I always thought it was really cool that I had a sister that could drive you know she would take me everywhere that most people what their parents would be taking them places but I had Andrea okay that was a lot of fun okay
0: interesting okay so, uh, she's all into this. Um, did she, we're get, we'll get into the, 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 job that she had actually as an adult, but in high school, um, did she have a part-time job? Uh, or was it all just, you know, schoolwork and stuff?
1: I can go ahead. Please. Here, go ahead. Yeah, I know she worked at White Mountain Creamery. She worked at, uh, the Ferris Wheel at Kentucky Kingdom, like an amusement park, basically. So, You know, just fun uh, teenage jobs really is what she did back then. And she'd she'd hang out with her friends uh, a lot. She -hmm. was going to, let's see, I think, Assumption at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say in her teenage years, she probably focused a little bit less on school and more on like social life and being with your friends and stuff like that. Okay.
0: Now, uh, when she got to uh, the end of her... Uh, high school career, uh, Mike. Did she uh, go to college right away, or did she take a year off? What What did she do there?
2: Yeah, she she went right into college, and um, and she was usually working at the same time. And uh, um, I remember a couple of jobs, Erin. You can help me out here. The one I remember the most is her CVS job, where she was working as a, a store clerk there. Do you do you remember that, Erin?
1: Yeah, I know one point when she first started out at CVS she was held up in the store. So oh someone my. came in oh and attempted to rob her at gunpoint. Oh, my. Um, yeah, so that was a scary time for her. And sure. she, she continued working there. It didn't phase her, I guess, too much because she stayed at it. But she told me that they would um, watch people and catch people shoplifting and, and call the police on them. So I feel like Andrew was brave, even though... Mm no scary things happened. she still continued to do the best she could at her job um but she ended up becoming a i think it was like a regional sales manager job where she would manage several stores in like the india indiana ohio and kentucky in those three Mm -hmm. states
0: uh was this after she graduated college
1: no she was going to college at this point wow
0: she was doing both
1: Yes, and Uh she had other side jobs at different times,
0: and I felt like she was very busy. Okay. Where did did she get her higher education, Mike?
2: Uh, She graduated from the University of Louisville right here in town. Wow. So, as as did I. That's the same place I went, And, and Andrea's mother as well.
0: Okay, impressive. That's a good school. Okay, great. Okay, so she... Um, what year and just, you know, in general, uh, close as you can get weird. Did, did she graduate college?
1: Let me think. So she graduated from assumption in 2000. I know that. And I think she, she, because of all the working she did, I don't think that she graduated in exactly four years. So it may have been about 2005 or six. Does that okay. sound right to you, Dad?
2: That's, that would be my guess. And I think it would be right in there. Yes. I'd say about
1: 2005.
0: Okay, so she gets out, and what uh, what career did she go into? Where did, when did she start working? Let's say 2007. Where did she work? Uh, start working? I know eventually uh, she ended up working here from Humana, and maybe the re- reason I remember that is I used to have them as my private health insurance, but not now. But uh, did she go right to work with Humana, or did she start somewhere else and then eventually get there?
1: I feel like I was just counting up the years, and I feel like she went – straight into Humana because, mm-hmm. well, I take that back. For a while, she was at CVS actually for a very long time. So I think for the first couple of years after graduating, she was still at CVS. She ended up leaving that job. Um, she, I remember her telling me that she wanted to try something different, and, mm-hmm. and she, then she went to Humana. So it was probably about two years or so after CVS.
2: Okay. All right. And it might be important to know that she was extremely independent, and we're, we're not really sure she liked being a corporate person. Uh, mm-hmm. Also uh, added to the fact that even when she was working for some of these places like Humana, maybe CVS, she might have had a side job or two. And uh, mm-hmm. so that, okay. that would not be unusual for her at all. So she was, um, she was uh, pretty much a go-getter and, and trying to do whatever it took and trying to find her way. But I believe at some point she wanted to become some sort of entrepreneur Uh, and have that as her main job rather than work for a corporation
0: okay i know the feeling all right so let's uh, move on to this so we've talked about her job very educated goes to uh, louisville uh of course a very good university everybody's heard of louisville and let's talk a little bit about though about her personal life she gets into her 20s uh boyfriends does she get married i know that she has two children who will eventually speak uh, talk about at least a little bit. We don't have to mention their names or anything, of course, but um, uh, what about relationships or private life?
2: Aaron, you should handle that. You know more about her boyfriends than I do.
1: Yeah, I feel like Andrea, she's always been a very kind and loving person, and I feel like she was looking for love, but it, it, it never really quite worked out, and I, it could be Partially because of how independent she is, and you know, she's very, you know, it's my way or the highway. So mm-hmm. sometimes it has to be the highway for you know, so I feel like she was looking for love and it and it just didn't quite work out when she tried it. So she, um, she I know that she dated her first boy, serious boyfriend for about eight years and they didn't work out. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay. And, and so was that like in college did they meet in school or was that after that do you think
1: it was probably through college and short right. and up until shortly after college okay they broke
0: okay did they have any kids together no okay uh well let's just move on to um you know talking about her children when did she have her first child i understand that she has two children one with different men Let's just talk a little bit about those relationships. Once again, we do not have to get into the children's names or the men's names, but, um, you know, just, you know, either one of you give uh, maybe the audience a little idea uh, about either of these relationships, Um, you know, how how did they go, Uh, anything like that.
2: I'll will start out with there and uh, because it's important in the family dynamics to to understand my relationship as a father to Andrea. It um, she, she she tried to date some really nice guys, some guys that might have went to the college and things like that, and in a lot of those relationships didn't seem to work out. So she seemed to be attracted to, to people that that were fun and not necessarily uh, educated to the extent she was mm-hmm. and maybe maybe not in her socioeconomic uh, track she was on or anything like that um, so uh, so she and i uh, you know somewhat butted heads about some of her choices yeah. but uh, I didn't stop her. I, I tried to let her find her own way. That's kind of what my father did. He let me make my mistakes, knowing that I would probably figure it out. And uh, um, I, I'm not sure she re- really figured it out to the extent that I was happy about it. But uh, then, then again, you know, it's her life, and she made a lot of choices, and and I, I wasn't really happy with a lot of them. Okay. But um, anyway, uh, her her first child uh, would now be. Um, 10 years old okay. and, um, he was just over here this, uh, this week because, uh, oh, um, of, of COVID, um, the kids were back at home schooling and, uh, the father was, um, working and I'm working from home. So I just had him come over here and, um, have his classes on the computer over here. So huh. he seems to be doing fine. Uh, he's, he's adjusted quite well, but there are, there are issues right behind, um, uh, the, 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 seemingly normal situation. Uh, I, I've seen him break down out of nowhere uh, one time that really surprised mm-hmm. me. And, um, it was very, very, very sad for me to, to see that. And, uh, I was, I was hoping he was doing better, but he's, he, he seems to be doing well, but there's some struggle behind it. And, um, obviously it's, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure it's hurting him a, a great deal. So, yeah. and, uh, Aaron, you want to handle, uh, the second son,
1: yeah, I feel like um, Andrea, when she met her second child's father, she kind of went for opposites. He he was kind of like a country boy, and he, he lived in Shepherdsville, so that was a longer drive to get to Andrea's house. Not too bad. That was about a 30-minute drive when she lived out in Shepherdsville. That's just outside of Louisville, so... um I feel like they kind of just they eventually didn't get along and broke up, which is you know, somewhat normal I feel like these days. But I feel like she had a, a decent co-parenting relationship with both of them and uh they were making it work. Mm-hmm. She had a fifty-fifty parenting schedule where she would see her children every two days.
0: Oh, okay. Uh so uh neither of um uh, with her, with any of the, either of these guys or any, uh, actual, like, I guess what we call custody arrangements on paper or anything, they, they, Andrew just, uh, was able to work out the situation with both of them without getting a court or anything involved.
1: Uh, for the first, for her older son, they, uh, ended things, I think, in a a pretty friendly way, like a cordial way, I guess you could say mm-hmm. to where they worked it all out outside of court. Okay. Um, but her younger child's father and her um, did use court okay. to set up their 50-50 parenting schedule.
0: Okay. And you, you said that uh, the first relationship broke up friendly. What about the second one? Was, uh, how was uh, Andrea on terms with the second guy?
1: Probably, it was probably a little bit less friendly, but still in like a normal, just a normal breakup, I would say. Okay.
0: All right. And when would you say, if you can remember Aaron or Mike, uh, the second guy, um, when did they break up? Was it right in 2019, 2018? Do you remember?
1: It was a while. It was a few years before that. I'll have to think about that. Okay. A few
0: years before. And um, of course, we're going to get up uh, to uh, 2019 here very quickly. But you're understanding the way you see it now. Was she involved with anybody uh, at the time of her disappearance?
1: She um, was dating around. I feel like Andrea kind of like she her last serious relationship was in 2000. It ended in 2018. Mm -hmm. And my feelings on it is that she was more guarded after that. She was guarding her heart more. So she was choosing for the last year that we we knew we were with Andrea. Um, She was more guarded and she was not getting into a serious relationship, I feel like she was just kind of dating around at that point. Okay. That's what we've learned.
0: Okay. Let's move Uh, on to this and this is probably, uh, you know, it's very, of course, uh, unique and of course, very close to me being that uh, I am in the missing persons community. I've done almost 240 interviews and I know a lot of families who have lost loved ones to disappearances. How did Andrea get involved in uh, the missing persons community?
1: I can take that, Dad. Sure, go ahead. I know that she met Suzette when she was doing a serving job. That was one of her um, jobs she had when she left Humana. Um, And Suzette volunteered with Missing in America and Nancy Schaefer. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Andrea has always kind of been the person that will drop everything and help out whoever she can. So it, it probably just made sense to her to go with it when she learned about that from Suzette.
0: And what year do you think that was?
1: Um, let's see. I would have to probably get more information on that from Suzette.
0: Uh, that's, that's, I feel uh, just an example. Was she just, before she disappeared, was it a year, five years, ten years? <sighs>
1: If I had to guess, I would say around five years, maybe. Five years, okay.
0: Does that, uh, the way, uh, Mike, the way you know Andrea, your daughter, uh, did that surprise you when you found out that she was taking an interest in that?
2: Um, You know what? She, A, a woman of her age at that point doesn't necessarily tell her father all the intimate details <laughs> of what's going on in her life. That's true, yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about that, Mm -hmm. but you know what, I I have a very clear recollection of discussing some of her involvement um, at a Christmas party in 2017, and she was uh, was very proud of what she was doing um, about volunteering for uh, this group and searching for missing people, and she had big plans. She wanted to take this further, and she wanted to expand this. And um, I, I was I was quite intrigued, but you know the practical father wants mm. her to have a real job. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you aren't the only father on the side,
0: that feels like that, Mike.
2: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but um, I, I remember feeling that way, and it's just what that's the way I felt. That's all okay. I can tell you. But um, I was I was intrigued about the story, and um, you know the, our Christmas parties are. Are wild and crazy there's 40 to 50 people there sometimes oh and uh, it is uh, so it, the conversation didn't go on and on in depth but uh, uh a very very clear conversation at that party in 2017 and and um i i still recall how proud she was of of her work oh with that that's my recollection.
0: Did she um once again if you, either of you can remember uh you know for me I you know I'll tell you my story in 15 seconds you know I'm 51 years old I was uh, took an interest in in search of when I was a little kid Leonard Nimoy you know it's kind of a mystery show and then unsolved mysteries and cops then I eventually got around uh, to starting this podcast in 2016 as uh, a little girl uh, as a teenager did she also show an interest like in mysteries things like that
1: We did watch Unsolved Mysteries a lot when we were little. Okay. And um, let's see what else. X Files. So I guess she did. She was interested in in mysteries. I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I was a huge. Love uh, the X Files. A huge fan of that show back in the '90s for sure. So I can certainly.
1: Yeah, we used to watch it every Friday at Dad's house when we were little.
0: Yep, that's right. But (laughs) Fox Mulder, Dana Scully, fantastic, fantastic.
2: Yeah. (laughs) All right, so. I happen to like that too, by
1: the way. Yeah,
0: and you (laughs) should, both of you should know, I have a signed picture in my condo of them uh, in a scene from one of the episodes, and they they, uh, both signed it. I got that from over at Disney like 25 years ago or something like that, but I have it hung in my condo. So, um, let's move on now to this. Uh, I think we've given uh, the audience a very well rounded view. Andrea talking about both her personal life public life professional life some of her interests and everything's everything so let's move up to 2019 but I you know I think we do understand and I know a lot of people know about Andrea's disappearance you know for a lot of different reasons I think you've done a lot of good um, publicity regarding her disappearance but I also think that it probably helps that she, was a known person in the missing person community trying to help families. And when one of our own goes missing, that certainly catches catches everybody's attention. But in 2019, though, uh, it does seem to me that there were some things going on in her life. And let's just start here. And we do not have to touch upon these things for very long. But I think that it's important uh, we at least discuss them for a little bit. How did she become unemployed?
2: Aaron, do you know for, for sure because I, I am still uncertain. What what I can tell the audience is that there were two major layoffs at Humana. One was maybe 2500 and there was shortly thereafter there was one of uh, 1500. Wow. Wow. I have heard that she may have been part of that group, uh, but I'm not quite sure that's absolutely true. Aaron, do, can you confirm or deny that?
1: Well, she she told us that she was laid off from Humana, um, I've spoken to her. Some of her friends from Humana that said they think that she might have been fired um, for for not coming into work on time and and things like I guess would be attendance. Wow. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one it is. I, if she, mm-hmm. you know, if she wasn't actually laid off, I can't really blame her for that. You know, a lot of people tell their family that they were yeah. laid off.
0: Well, uh, I have to ask, if it's if it wasn't that she was laid off, that maybe it was something else, uh, did, does that surprise you? Or that if she did get fired for not showing up, if that is, I, I mean, I don't know. You would certainly know more about it than I would. Is that something that would surprise you?
1: Well, I was with Andrea almost daily, if not several times a week. And I felt like sometimes she would run run herself, you know, she would do too much, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. OK, you know, kind of run herself ragged sometimes where I felt like she just needed to take it easy, you know. So it would make sense really either way. I could see her being laid Mm -hmm. off or the other one. So I'm not really sure.
0: Okay. All right. So we're so that is something I guess we're doing this uh, interview on January 23rd, 2022. So that's just something that is not totally clear even now.
2: Yes, I, I heard something a little bit different, if I can clarify. It. Go ahead. I heard, she was, I heard she was doing some work from home, and um, she she may have not been approaching that uh, uh, with enough discipline to continue mm. to do that, too. So it, it is still unclear to the family exactly what happened. But okay. uh, the word that was out there was that she was part of the layoff. Uh, I heard some, it looks like both Aaron and I both have heard some things that that may have not been true. Okay. Go ahead.
0: All right. Let's move on to this, and this is something that uh, the listeners, of course, know before we ever do these interviews. I talk to the guests uh, at least once or more times uh, before uh, we do an official interview like this, and both of you, uh, in the, the the talks that we've had, talked about how she had new but bad friends. Uh, how did this happen?
2: Erin, you saw them much more than I did, and uh, I wasn't happy when I saw them. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, like Ed said earlier, sometimes she would go with friends that were fun and, you know, made her laugh. And and that would take precedence over other qualifications that, you know, mm-hmm. most people would have. And, I like, for example, I would say that if if, say, I was looking for a boyfriend, if they didn't meet certain criteria, they, they were not one of they were not someone that I would date andrea yeah. I guess would want to help people sometimes mm-hmm. and it was it was I noticed that her boyfriend's her boyfriend would sometimes be someone that she wanted to help okay and so like fix her up or I don't know what the correct word is but mm-hmm. she would want to help people and sometimes it was her boyfriend who who she would want to help and mm-hmm. I loved Andrea. I wanted her to be happy. I could see that she was happy with the person she was with. And so I just tried, you know, I, I thought to myself, like, I'm not going to judge. It's not what mm-hmm. I would do, but but I can't, you know. I might okay. as well just be accepting and, and love my sister for who she is. So I just kind of went with it. And, um, But I feel like these people sometimes co- caused her problems, her mm-hmm. boyfriend. And friends that she was having, and it hurt me to to see her going through that it so I felt like she would give she would give this person the world mm-hmm. and and they would they would take and take and take is how it okay. felt, and it just tore me up inside to see that, and I would tell her how I felt, but also I would listen to her and just try to be there for her. it was hard okay. I and mean, so, I've, so I've both of you-
0: so, uh, when you say bad friends, do you mean people that uh, might have been doing illegal things, might have been into drugs? Um, because, once again, I think both of you used the same exact term when I spoke to both of you, kind of new but bad friends. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I was kind of, I don't know, Andrea kind of looked at me as like a straight-laced light- type of person, so she she wouldn't really do that stuff in front of me, but Mm -hmm. it it was evident to me that something wasn't exactly right, you know? Like, what I saw Andrea do was every now and then she would drink, and and that's about it, like, maybe once Mm -hmm. every few weeks, but... Yeah. It didn't... It seemed like something more was going on behind the scenes, like, sometimes she... Like, the person she was dating was, you know, it had been in jail, you know, for... For, for different issues they were yeah. having, so obviously something was going on that we didn't really know about is how okay. it felt.
2: All right. but not what you'd expect out of a straight A student I, and a college graduate, I, and uh, she would yeah. she would keep most of these guys away from me because she knew where I stood on it. And um, unfortunately, a lot of times that uh, falls on the father to uh, tell them what's going on, and what the truth is, and and that she would uh, become the type of people she put herself around if she stayed around them mm-hmm. long enough. Right. And uh, it seems some of that may have happened, uh, unfortunately, although. You know, she. There, there is signs that maybe she was making some big changes right before she left, and uh, I believe Aaron, Aaron found some proof of that. After she had left, okay. I believe there were job interviews coming uh, lined up already. People calling her back and things like that. But I, uh, I didn't approve of these people. Um, I was always cordial whenever one was brought around, um, mm. uh, but wasn't happy. And uh, there, there's nobody that could talk me into being happy about that. And um, just, 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 I guess the okay. way fathers are. Mo- most okay. fathers are anyway. Okay. I would think.
1: Let's- one of her boyfriends, for example, would. Constantly accuse her of cheating and she would be just in the house making dinner like a normal Like a normal mother would do and she would just look at me and like brush it off like it was no big deal but I knew it hurt her feelings and Sometimes they would take her take her phone and take her laptop Um one of her boyfriends would do that and it was just it was really hard seeing her go through that I feel like I feel like a lot of uh, women are like this where we want we're kind of nurturing personalities Mm-hmm. And when you're like that, sometimes you can attract people that take advantage of that. I've experienced that in my life. And I was trying to to give Andrea that advice. Like, Andrea, you can't be this way to everyone because not everyone's going to re- truly appreciate you and give it back to you. Some people just want to keep taking. And so I was working on, I was trying to help her with that. Help yeah. her have like healthy boundaries and help her notice when someone truly didn't love you back but i felt i feel like sometimes people just have to experience it for themselves you can't always you can't always convince people to do the right thing for themselves
0: let's move on to this now it's being that we've talked about you've mentioned you know one of the guys that she was around was in jail and there might have been some things that you uh you suspected some things but you didn't necessarily see anything do you believe that uh, Andrea had developed some sort of addiction before she went missing?
1: We were worried about that. And I think dad actually asked her if she would go to a treatment facility for addiction and she denied it. I think it hurt her feelings. So the way we looked at it is like, you know, she's an adult. Obviously we can't force her to do that. You know, and then she's telling us that she's not addicted to anything. So, Mm-hmm. Maybe it's mental illness causing this. So we my mom would go with her to see a therapist to, and and to different doctors like for you know start you start out at the primary doctor and go to the specialist that they tell you to go to. So we were basically just trying anything that she was willing to do. We didn't know because we didn't see any signs of it, but we did know that something was not right. Okay. And, and and it was just I feel like we were beginning to try and figure it out because it's easy to to hide certain things from your family when you don't live with them. And when she got evicted and moved in with mom in summer of two thousand, uh, summer of twenty nineteen, that's when we kind of we we were able to do more with her because she was there all the time. We were able to convince her to go to the doctors and this and that. So I feel like we were beginning to get it figured out and, and help her at this
0: point. Mike, where was she living before she moved in uh, that summer? Where, where, where uh, And maybe I should ask being that she got laid off, Mike, if you know, uh, what was she doing for money during this time? Where, where was she living before she moved into that place the summer of 2019, and what was she doing for money?
2: This well, she was... Air yeah, would be better at this, but she was sharing a home uh, at, um, at a western portion of the county uh, that's... Not a great place, uh, but maybe it was a, a neighborhood, and she was sharing it with a, with a friend of hers. They both had kids, and uh, I think that girl moved out, and then Aaron lost the place. Um, I think it's important to know when, when you, we talk about drugs. Yeah. I, I've yeah. never seen her do any illegal drugs. Uh, I, we did see some prescription drugs that she had in her room after she had went missing, but these were legal prescriptions and they could have been being abused and um so that that is a possibility and 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 we don't know that that could have been a gateway to to other things Mm and let's face it when you um when you get down maybe to the extent she was after what was going on in her life and, and the burdens she was she was carrying um uh, you know, that that could lead you to do things you might not normally cool. do. So. I guess
0: what we're also saying, though, is even today in 2022, there's just a suspicion. It's not like anybody actually saw her abusing anything. It very well may be that she didn't have an addiction.
1: Maybe. Right. Um, okay. And one thing I feel is important, it's a testimony to Andrea's character, is that the roommate that she was friends with, uh, She met. she met this girl because she was dating her ex so in other words andrea's boyfriend and her broke up Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then and then and then that guy's ex-girlfriend became friends with andrea you know so andrea is like not the kind of person that like is going to hold grudges you know most people are not very fond of their their ex's ex (laughs) so they ended up becoming so close and friends that they they became roommates. So Andrea's ex-boyfriend's children were living with her, with his ex and her. <laughs> so Wow, they, okay. Uh, yeah. So to this day, that that's who I consider Andrea's best friend, is her ex-boyfriend's ex-girlfriend. So Andrea's right. the kind of person, and she kind of taught me, me to be that way too. Like, don't hold grudges with people. Try to see what people have in common with you and find common ground. And Andrea saw her as a, a single mother. Like her, who they both needed needed help at the time, so they were like, "Why not help each other out?" and and they, it ended up working great for them for a long time. But she moved out. I think she found a boyfriend, and they moved in together. And and Andrea tried to find a new roommate, but it just didn't work out, and she ended up getting evicted.
0: Okay, and that's when she moved in, uh, changed in in the moved in with uh, cool. your, her grandmother in the summer. Her mother, grandmother.
1: Her mom, yeah, our, our mother. mother, yes, mother. Okay.
0: All right, so we have that. Maybe I should ask this again. And what was she doing, doing for money during this time?
1: She had various jobs. Uh, she's, had, she's had serving jobs, I know, like a waitress. Uh, she also would do Uber Eats. She did various jobs. Some of them, I felt, were probably more work than it was worth, but it was something that she thought was interesting and worthwhile. So she would um, go to a warehouse I'm not sure how she she found out about this work but um, she took me there one time where you, you go and it kind of reminded me of Storage Wars are you familiar with that show where you I am yes Yeah so instead except for instead of like a storage unit it would be pallets of merchandise like it might be coffee makers TVs just random household products it could be monitors a lot of different things so you can only see what's on the outside of the pallet like it would be wrapped in plastic on a pallet um and you Mm kind of go around and look inside of them and see what you can see the goal would be to find one that was mostly filled with expensive stuff or like bigger products because they would be quicker to sell yeah but you get you get this bulk at a pretty cheap uh rate sometimes it would just be returns like things that people didn't want and they would return it to the store she would take each item out and make sure it was working, make sure all the pieces were there, and then she would resell it. And many of the people who who have helped me and, and and reached out to me to tell me that they they knew Andrea or people that she met through this, people that remembered her and really liked her a lot. She's the kind of person that would, you know, if she was selling you a toaster, she'd stop and talk to you for 30 minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very well-liked and easy to get along with. Um, A lot of the people who also who she worked with because of Uber Eats would be, like, people at restaurants where she'd pick up the food from. Um, So, in my opinion, she would make a strong impression on people, even if she just met them briefly, because I've had so many people tell me they knew her through these jobs.
0: All right, let's move on to this. Uh, I know many people are familiar with Andrea's disappearance and something that you— can read in a variety of places is, is this uh, infection. And I think that it's important because uh, I guess we would call it the day, technically the day before she went missing, she did go to the hospital. What was this infection? What, what was going on there?
1: Dad, do you want me to go?
2: I, I think you would know better. Yes, go ahead.
1: Okay. So she was not sure what it was. She had different ideas on what she thought it was and and we kind of disagreed and with it she thought that she had some kind of infection or problem and we would tell her like no let's just go to the doctor and see what's going on because um skin conditions do run in our family like um mm-hmm. i'm not sure if you're familiar with eczema
2: i am sure so
1: yeah so i've had that my entire life I, out of me andrea and sarah I think I was hit with it the worst. Like, my hands would burn so much that, like, I I remember in church, I couldn't cross my fingers, like, to to prayer. Like, I I couldn't do it. It hurt so much. So, because of that, like, my whole life, I've always known how to take care of it. You know, like, hypoallergenic soaps and lotions and everything. And I know I would know to go to the dermatologist right away if it started to act up. Andrea, I feel like she had, like, a mild form of it a little bit behind her ear. But that's about it. And I I feel like it's very possible that in her adult life, that's when it flared up. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of different things can cause it, like hormones, stress, allergies. So I think it's possible that she could have had a flare-up. And maybe since she didn't have it very severely like I did, she wasn't familiar with how to take care of it. And it kind of was very upsetting to her because it was on her face. Okay. But... People have also speculated that it's because of drugs, and like I said, we you know, we di- we just didn't know. Okay. It's possible that it could have been from drugs. Okay. We don't know.
0: Do you know, uh, in the days leading up to her disappearance, did she get kind of any uh, kind of treatment for that? Um, and even that day, uh, the 12th, when she went to the hospital, do you have any idea what kind of medicine they gave her or anything like that?
1: She would say that the, that the rash on her face was painful.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I remember her telling me that, that the medicine that she put on it would help with the pain. So I'm not sure if it was like, you know, how Neosporin has like a pain relief in it. I'm not sure if it was something like that, but possibly stronger. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not positive, but I know that my mom and her had been going to a specialist and um that night at dinner when my mom brought Chinese food over just before the doctor's visit Andrea, Sarah, and Ethan and mom they were all talking about how they think she needs to go to the doctor but they were mm-hmm. encouraging her to see a psychiatrist basically mm-hmm. like they think she needed to continue that and mm-hmm. she was like well I just want to go to the doctor for my face okay. you know I'm not happy with I'm not happy with the, what the last doctor said I want to go tonight so
0: all right we'll get we're gonna to get to the, we'll get we'll get to the 12th all right so she has this. maybe you know it could have been something that's genetic i guess or it could have been a real infection just not totally sure but it sounds to me like uh right here in 2022 that you're thinking maybe you're leaning more toward this is something that's just genetic yeah well i'm to
1: this day i'm still not exactly sure mm-hmm. i feel like it was trying different things to treat it mm-hmm. that was not working and like we were all trying to tell her just leave it alone yeah and and do whatever the doctor says to do so okay. it, it was hard to say because she because of it was at the very. We were at the very beginning of trying to figure it out. You know.
2: Okay. It's important. It's important to know that she was irritating it herself yeah, too. She was picking at it. She was mistreating it. That's yeah. right. and It got worse. Right. And uh, that's Completely. that's why she needed to go to the hospital uh, to have them look at it in in, in mercy room. And that's what okay, she did good. that night.
0: Good point. All right. So it could have been something very small, but obsessing on it maybe made it worse. Yes. Possible. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mike Fron, a scale maybe of one to ten. Let's do it that way in uh going into august of 2019 on a scale one to ten one being um not worried at all 10 being very 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 worried how concerned were you about your daughter andrea in the in august of 2019 what number would i was
2: yeah i I was i was an eight um i was predicting so something to happen to her even i we even said to wow. people I, I know i said it to my one of my brothers i said if she doesn't you know i said if she doesn't change something awful is going to happen and um you know it. i remember about two weeks before Andrea was missing um she, she came to one of uh, one of our events i um I teach kids, including hers and Aaron's, tennis, which is one of my hobbies. Anyway, Andrea kind of showed up unexpectedly. And um, anyway, very, very happy to see her. Um, anyway, we had further conversation, and, and to the extent I was concerned, I offered her help. And uh, that didn't quite get mentioned either. It just uh, it mentioned when I read her the riot act about where mm-hmm. she was. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I, offered her help, had a place for her to actually go to receive treatment. And so that just tells you where I was. I was okay. extremely concerned. Okay. You know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a 10 because nothing immediately was happening, but I saw the writing on the wall and, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I felt it too. I felt and, what was happening and, when, and I didn't and- like the direction and mm-hmm. I didn't like the fact that she wasn't, she wasn't in agreement that anything needed to be done.
1: You know, oh, anything okay.
2: needed to change. The direct the direction needed to change, and mm-hmm. I couldn't even get her to agree to that. So that, that was extremely worrisome for me.
0: All right, so even when this, what you're talking about, these tennis lessons, she, she shows up, and you make this suggestion, and she resists you. She thinks that, I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. I'm fine.
2: Well, that, there was some, some mention of there, but it was mm-hmm. a on a, 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 a phone conversation after that. Oh,
0: okay, all
2: right. That, um, that it happened, and um, she... Um, she rejected um, any help whatsoever. Uh, she was a very proud, she is a very proud person. She mm-hmm. thought she could handle any problem, no matter what it was. And uh, she was uh, she was carrying an incredible burden when mm-hmm. she left us, and more, much more so. And I found out many, many things that I didn't know about. And it, it was really heartbreaking to see what she was carrying around at the time. Okay.
0: Aaron, same way, like uh, 1 to 10, you were about an 8 as well?
1: I feel like I was probably more worried because because I saw everyone doing the best they can. You know, Sarah, mom, Ethan, dad, like everybody who loved Andrea was trying and trying and trying. And she just, I feel like she didn't see mm-hmm. the urgency or how important it was. So I was very worried. I was thinking, I was thinking like maybe she'll end up in jail or something or yeah. Because she would never, ever be homeless. You know, she would always have all of us. She has a huge family. Um, I was hoping that whatever it was that caused her to snap out of it would be something where she would be okay. That's why I say jail, you know, because that's like something that would be really major for her. But it would be, it could be a turning point for her, you know. I fully Just because of the crowd she was around. And, I mean, we didn't go too much into how much these people would hurt her. But she had she had one of her friends steal all the TVs in her home and she, she knew it was that person because it was the only one who knew her exact schedule and how long she would be gone from the house at the time. Mm -hmm. So that's just an example of like some of the people she was around, you know? So it scared me that, you know, people that were doing this bad stuff was at her house and around, Mm -hmm. you know, just you can get in trouble just by knowing people like that or get hurt. So I was just hoping whatever it is, is something that she can recover from and be okay from and I felt like I would I would talk to her, but I could see how she was not she was not handling it. Well, so I tried to just let her vent most of the time and brainstorm. How can I help her? What can I do? But it was very, very hard because I had just I had just gotten out of a divorce at the time and just started to get back on my feet and get got my own place. So it was very stressful for me and overwhelming because I wanted to help to fix her problems, but I also didn't want to create problems for myself and ruin my own life.
0: Maybe I should ask you this, uh, in all of this, uh, all of these troubles that she had in those last few years before she went missing, any problems with the law, any charges against her, any time spent in jail, anything like that?
2: No. None. Okay. I don't know of any either.
0: Okay. Let's move up to now August 12th, 2019. Uh, what do you two uh, know uh, about this day? I just have it, of course, in this outline that we are following for this interview. We have Ethan, we have Sarah, and we have Andrea. What did they do? And of course, then we'll get to the hospital. What is your understanding about Andrea's movements and interactions on August 12th? So,
1: what Andrea told me that night and it also matched what sarah and my mom said is that they were sitting at the kitchen table um so andrea was living with mom because she was evicted of course just Mm -hmm. to give you an idea of what was happening yeah Sarah sarah and ethan live in lexington they've lived there for like over a decade but they came in town to remodel my mom's bathrooms those the bathrooms were the original ones since the house was built in like 1940 something so right so they had problems just from being as old as they were and it just needed to be done so uh, we were all thrilled that she was finally doing something to the house um andrea sarah and i we all joked about it but anyways so the way sarah and ethan were planning on remodeling these bathrooms neither one would be able would be usable during the time so my mom would come and eat dinner with them or like bring them food and, and stuff that they needed. And then she would leave for the night after that and stay with friends and then go to work the next day. Um, so that she would have a usable bath shower and toilet and everything. So, so that's, that's why things were the way they were. So at dinner time on August 12th, it was Sarah, Ethan, my mother, our mother and Andrea. They mom had brought Chinese over, for dinner and i guess they began talking about andrea's problems which that was a very common topic it was something that they talked we all talked about a lot because just in yeah. talking to andrea in normal conversation we would be like andrea no that's not how that should be you need to do this instead like it would it would keep coming up yeah so okay. it, it was we were talking about it and saying she needed to see a psychiatrist well she did not agree with that at the time. And and I guess things got a little bit heated. She kind of lashed out at mom and, and said some rude things to, to my mother. Sarah took up for her. And I guess Andrea kind of felt like they're you know she was being teamed up on. Right. So Andrea decided to go upstairs and take a breather. So she, I guess they finished dinner without her. And she was upstairs in her room. Well, in our family, it's normal for people. You know, no matter how big of an argument we had, like, an hour later, it's like everything's fine. You know, we said our piece. Who cares? Because especially when the argument is out of love, you know, it's like we don't hate each other. We just didn't agree. So, anyways, I guess after she cooled off in her room, she came back down, and she said, you know, I really would like to go to the doctor tonight. And um, so she had Ethan take her to McDonald's to get some food. I guess she didn't want the Chinese. And the plan was for Ethan to drop her off at the emergency room. And then my mom had a gift card for her to use to take an Uber back home. Hmm. Okay. So that nobody had to wait up at the hospital with her for hours. Right. So that was the plan. And um, Andrea took the Uber back to my mom's house. Couldn't get in. and about then she walked what, About
0: what time home. would you say that was? Approximately.
1: If I had to guess, I would say around eleven thirty to midnight, possibly. All right,
0: so eleven thirty so, of August twelfth.
1: Yeah. So she okay. stayed at she. So, I, from my from my perspective, I didn't talk to any of them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did not come into the story until Andrea walked mm-hmm. up to my house because right. uh, because I I was kind of taking a break from technology. It was a a terrible coincidence that day that I was not paying attention to my phone. Um, My kids were asleep in the living room. I had my phone sitting in the kitchen, and I was sitting outside talking to my best friend, Michelle. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was sitting on the porch, and she was standing up smoking a cigarette. And Andrea comes walking up, and it was kind of like the feeling you get when you're doing the best you can. You know, like if you're upset, but you kind of have to hold it together. You don't just go around crying in public. So she saw me, and she kind of broke down and kind of let it all out. You know, it's like she felt comfortable to say what was happening. And, and what time was she, that?
0: What time was that, Erin? When she showed up at your place?
1: Probably just after eleven thirty, if I if I had to guess. Okay. Um,
0: so why do you think? Uh, why didn't you? I know this is a very technical question. Why? So she took the Uber though back to your mother's house. Yeah. Okay, but she couldn't get in or something or, or didn't feel like seeing them again? Or what do you think it was?
1: She couldn't get in the house.
0: Um, okay. Sorry, the
1: one
0: thing. Was it because they were asleep or was nobody there? Do you even know? Jump right in. No, it's
2: highly likely, highly likely that they were awake and uh, did not let them in. There, there has been some confusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the interviews that were conducted by the police mm-hmm. and maybe some mixed stories. Uh, so it's you have to put it in the category of uncertain, but we, we think they absolutely have to be awake. If she was knocking on the door, that she would have been heard, that's for sure. And, uh, well, you,
0: I mean, I know that... Of course, Sarah is your daughter. What has she told you? If we could just keep it as simple as that, what does she remember? Does she say, you know, what we, you know, if she came back, we didn't hear, or, or if you can say,
2: that's correct. She, she just said that she didn't hear, and um, that that was the story we got. So, okay. Aaron, Andrea proceeded to leave and, and walk back um, to to Aaron's house, and I believe she spent some time there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because Aaron was with her friend, Michelle still, and they were, they were just chatting, having a glass of wine or something like that. And, and, um, and then I believe after, after a while, Aaron decided to take Andrea back to, um, Cheryl's house mm-hmm and uh, she did drop her off there i don't think she even stayed there at all i think she came right back and walked back t- to aaron's house and when she got back to aaron's house it was approximately 1 30 a.m mm-hmm. and uh, so there were two trips Andrea hmm. made back to the house and um the, the last one she left Aaron's house at one thirty-eight, and the reason mm-hmm. I know that is because I got the the phone call that fathers don't want to get yeah. at one thirty-eight in the morning. Uh, Aaron was on the phone calling me. Andrea was at her back door. Yeah. I could hear Andrea that she was upset, and Aaron was asking me what to do, mm-hmm. and. Um, so Erin's kids were sleeping in her lower level, too, because there was painting going on at her place. Mm. And so she really didn't have her room. Andrew was kind of rambunctious still. She didn't want a lot of commotion or drama over there. Yeah. She just moved into the place. And yeah. I, I recommended to Erin to send her back home. But call your mother and make sure that she instructs mm. Sarah and Ethan to let her in the house. Yeah. Now keep in mind this is not a long walk it's, no, it's, it's seven not. or eight blocks you yeah. could probably walk it in 12 minutes yeah. um, it is a community that has a country club and a golf course uh, two blocks away yeah. from the house so it is it is yeah. a uh, city within the city of louisville called audubon park and it has its own police force it's known as being very safe and um so mm-hmm. Andrea walked back there. Uh, she made it back there, too. So I, I think any guilt that Aaron would have that something might have happened to her after leaving the house at one thirty should should be just dropped and forgot about. She made it back yeah. to the house. Okay. And uh, we, we know that from the pings on her phone that, that tracked her there. Um, and she made it back to the house at approximately just before 2 o'clock.
0: All right, Mike, let me jump in here for a second, because obviously this is something that I've not heard before that – maybe is not uh, clear in a, in all of the reporting that's, that has been done in Andrea's disappearance. So, actually, technically, Andrea made two trips from her mother's yeah. house to, to Aaron's, and Aaron's getting back here in the conversation. So, uh, after the Uber, Andrea gets dropped off at her mother's house, can't get in for whatever reason. She goes over to your house, Aaron, you know, you, you, then you drive her actually back to your mother's house, but then Andrea walks back to your place again. Correct? Yes. Wow. Um, if you can say uh, what was the context of the uh, conversations or maybe they it ris- rose to arguments uh, discussions that you were having with Andrea that night. Yeah,
1: she was just really sad. It was not I wasn't upset. I wasn't mad at her. She wasn't really mad at me. She was asking me if she could stay and this something this is something that today it's still it's hard mm-hmm. for me to talk about it's traumatizing. I'm sure. I, I didn't use my back door for a year after this just because I couldn't open, every time I opened the door I thought about her crying. Mm-hmm. So when we say she was being loud, she was really just it wasn't like angry loud. She was just emotional and mm-hmm. sad and
0: what was what were her words what was she talking about in in when she was being sad what was she talking about
1: she she was asking me if she could stay with stay at my house with me she was begging me to and mm-hmm. i feel terrible for telling her no
0: yeah
1: like, if i it, could change in one thing in my whole life that that's what i would change
0: of course Is it because...
2: Blame it on me, Blame it on me. I I asked you to do it. Blame it on me.
0: Is this an issue that she wanted to stay with you because she thought she was being rejected by Ethan and Sarah and her mother at the other house? Or was this something deeper just about what was going on in her life, the way you look at it now?
1: I feel like she was just upset. She had just had a bad day and she was Mm -hmm. upset. It it literally seemed like any other day. Mm -hmm. Andrea... Andrea is very, um, she, she's very, when she's happy, everybody in the room's happy. You know, she can make other people feel her feelings mm-hmm. and she, just by how it's, she's very expressive and loud. Just She's just naturally that person. So the same thing is true for when she's sad. She's, you know, she's mm-hmm. very expressive and she can be very loud sometimes. So even though to, to other people, they might, they don't really understand this situation because they don't understand Andrea, like the way mm-hmm. she was acting that night. In my opinion was just how she always, that's how she is when she's sad, you know? Yeah. And, I, and sometimes I feel like she would go overboard with it where she would be too sensitive where I would say, Andrea, like it's, it's really not that bad, you know, just go home mm-hmm. and sleep it off. And tomorrow you're not even going to care because like that, that was so normal for, for our family. And for Andrea at the time, you know, for for her to feel like whatever's happening right then is catastrophic. But then 20 minutes later, she didn't. She doesn't care anymore. Like, would
0: you say that, uh, you know, I'm no uh, psychologist or anything, but would you uh, maybe compare this to kind of like a nervous breakdown, something like that?
1: I, no, I, th- I think that that was, like, I honestly think that that was just normal for her. That's, okay. that's how she acts when she's sad. Okay. All Where right. she can.
0: <laughs> like, How did, uh, maybe I should ask you this: being that you the first time you drove her back over there, uh, would you say that she went with you willingly or reluctantly?
1: Willingly, the mm-hmm. first time I, mm-hmm. she was okay. It was no big deal, mm-hmm. and I, I fully thought that she would get in, go to sleep, and everything would be fine the next day. I mean, we had plans of taking our kids to the park the next couple Mm. of days since her car was not working. You know, we had talked about doing, getting together with the kids and so we were already making plans for the following days that night. Okay.
0: All right. So then your understanding is you dropped her off and once again, she couldn't get into the house.
1: Yeah. And I was hoping that she would just knock and get in because I mean, I've, It was the house that we grew up in, so yeah. we know what it's like. You know, you ring the doorbell, you knock on the door, it wakes up everybody in the house, and and someone comes in. I mean, or mm. someone comes down and lets you in. So I fully thought that she'd knock on the door and get in the house, okay. and everything would be fine. So,
0: but the story, but the story is, once again, neither none of us were there, and I realize this, Mike. This is your other daughter, and Naren, this is your other sister. But they claim both times that they never heard Andrea knock, ring the bell, nothing. <sighs>
1: Right. Okay.
2: All there's right, so, uh, there's some confusion on that, and okay. uh, it's not that clear cut. Um, there is mm. there is some thought out there that stories were changed. I have no proof of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just just in conversations with uh, authorities, and so uh, we're not quite sure.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I guess when, once again, I just have to ask this because this is my job, but. Sh- Sarah is your daughter, but she has told you one-on-one is your father. If you can say, I realize this is a private conversation between daughter and father, but she claims that, nope, she never heard, they never heard Andrea either time.
2: That's correct. And um, after Andrea went missing, I took Sarah to dinner and and, uh, just to Mm
0: -hmm. talk
2: to her about this and and then told her what was about to happen with with all the interviews and the investigation and told her to come forth with everything she has and all that and um that that's yeah. exactly what she told me yeah yes. and
0: we should and we should understand something i have two brothers and a sister all right they're quite a bit older than me but i'm still very close to them and the listeners know i have my brother brian who lives no more than 20 minutes from me in florida and you know let's just admit we don't always get along all the time <laughs> You know, and sometimes, you know, we just have to take a break from each other and personalities clash and things like that. So, you know, we're not trying to put anything nefarious on on Sarah or anybody else. It's just that when you say, you know, the story is still unclear, all I'm asking is, you know, you've had a one-on-one conversation with Sarah and she simply said that, nope, she didn't hear Andrea at all. That's all. That's great. Okay. That's good enough for me. Okay. All right. So... Then, of course, she comes back. This is this one. Uh, so we're now into uh, August 13th, uh, and one thirty eight a.m. This is Aaron, then call you call Mike. And, Mike, you hear Andrea in the background, and these things are going on. And, so, and then uh, Andrea finally decides or is asked to walk back to the other house. And we know that she went back over there because eventually when these pings were discovered that she did go back to the other house and that's where those, the phone pinged.
2: Yeah. That's correct. correct. She made, she definitely made it back here where, okay. where her phone did for sure. So I'm sure she did too.
1: Yeah. Right. The phone shows the exact walking path that she took to get to mom's house and it mm-hmm. included this walking bridge that connects two streets mm-hmm. that people that are, are local to this area, know about but someone that you know some random stranger wouldn't know that there's this walking bridge between between the buildings that takes you to audubon park so i feel strongly that it was andrea that did that because it's the way she would have went okay
0: and we should also be clear about one more thing as far as we know then i mean there's all of course a lot of theories though and we don't do theories on the interviews as the listeners know we don't really get into conjecture as to what happened to the missing person but to your knowledge, even to this day, on January twenty third, two thousand twenty two, there's no proof that anybody actually saw Andrea after Aaron. You saw her at your back door of your place.
1: That's right. Uh, we after she left my house, mm-hmm. we go off of the cell phone. Yeah, it's called what Google dashboard is exactly okay. what it's called. So her Android phone was logged into Gmail. And mm-hmm. then her laptop was also logged into Gmail. So that's how that we were able to track the movements of her phone. And there's been some new developments with it recently.
0: Okay. All right. So let's move on to this. So you see her last time and, we, and we'll and we get back to the, those pings and the exact times and everything in a little bit. But when does somebody actually realize that Andrea is missing? How does that happen?
1: So the next day, I just got up and went to work like a normal day. Um, and I would say this is an estimate, um, around 10 o'clock, my mom sent a text and a group text. It was mom, Sarah, Andrea and I, she said, has anyone talked to Andrea? I haven't talked to her today. And since I obviously was calling mom late at night, the night before saying, make sure Andrea gets in. Okay. That's, you know, that's not normal for Mm -hmm. us to be having those conversations late at night so it would make sense for mom to want to you know check on andrea in the morning to make sure everything's fine so i guess she was not able to get a hold of andrea so she was kind of just checking around have you all talked to her yeah i said no i said no sarah said no so my thinking at that point while i was working was that you know andrea was up late last night she never gets up early so i thought things she's probably still sleeping and i went on about my work day mm-hmm. expecting to you know hear from mom later on or you know i thought it was everything was still normal so yes. then my mom continued to try to get a hold of andrea um so i would say it was probably about three thirty or 4 that mom sent another message and she said has anyone talked to andrea and sarah and i both said no again well that's when i felt. That's the very first time I felt like something was not normal because 3.30 or 4, Andrea's usually awake by then, and it would be normal. It was normal for her just because, you know, it can be hard being an adult living with your mother. That's, yeah. not, that's not an easy situation for anyone. Yeah. So it, it was normal for Andrea to go be with her friend, and it was usually that best friend, the one that they used to live together. Okay. Um, it was normal for her to go and take a breather for a day or two and then come back and, and, you know, go back to working on, on fixing your situation. So anyways, if I can ask, if
0: I just, uh, just jump in here for one second, being that this was like a group message to multiple people at one time, including yourself and Sarah, when Sarah said, Nope, I haven't seen her today. Did you ever ask Sarah? Well, she walked back over to your house last night. Did you not let her in? Did you ever ask Sarah at that time?
1: No, I didn't didn't at that point. Okay. All right. I thought when Andrea left my house, I didn't Mm -hmm. say this, but when she left my house, the last time I saw her was not at my back door. Um, I went to the front of my house and looked out my kitchen window Mm -hmm. because I just wanted wanted to see how she was because I felt bad for turning her away, you know? So I went to see what she was doing and how she was as she walked away from my house. So I saw her looking at her phone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Looking at her phone and walking, and you know, it looked to me like she was scrolling through. So, the reason I didn't say something to Sarah was because I assumed that she had her friend pick her up.
0: Okay, so like that's,
1: that's this end, what made sense in my all right, head.
0: And, and this is before you knew about the pings and everything else. So, yes. all right. So, in your mind, getting into the afternoon of that day after Andrea went missing, is you're just thinking. Well, you know, no use to say anything to Sarah because it, I really don't believe Andrew went back to uh, where Sarah and Ethan were anyway.
1: Yes, from the okay. very, from the very beginning, I've always thought that one of her friends picked her up.
0: Okay, we're not getting into theories, but that's but that is the reason what you were thinking at the time. That's why it didn't you didn't bring it up with Sarah? Yes. Okay, very good. All right. So what happens next when everybody starts saying? Oh, well, this is, um, this is not good. What do all of you do?
1: Yeah. So late afternoon when she has mom asked us again, that's when it was not normal because Andrea normally when she went to her friend's house, she would stop by mom's house and like pick up clothes, pick up her face wash or makeup. Like she didn't leave the house without all her her skincare products, especially with her problems she had going on. Mm -hmm. So that's when I really started to worry. So, I started checking around with her friends, and I think we didn't go, I would tell mom, I would call mom and report back to her and tell her who said what, and I would call aunts and uncles, all, all, our, all of our family, um, all of her friends that I knew of that she was close with, Yeah, and and they were all saying no, and the friend that she was roommates with that was her best friend That's the one that did not answer. And I I felt in my heart that that's where she was. I thought, this is not like Andrea. Like, she doesn't hold grudges, but maybe she's upset with us all for turning her away because that's not something that any of us would normally do. So maybe she was extra hurt by this. Even though she's not the type of person to hold a grudge, Like, no one fathoms that in their mind that their family member's gone. Of course not. You just don't think that. So I thought, like, this is not like Andrea, but hopefully she's with Amber. And I I remember later on that day thinking, like, I'm going to be the bigger person. You know, if she's upset with me, I'm going to send her a message and tell her I'm sorry. Hopefully that breaks the ice and she'll talk to one of us so that we know everything's okay. So I told her, I'm sorry, Andrea. Like, I want to help you, but I I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, you know, like you have to help yourself, too. Like, I love mm-hmm. it, But I love you no matter what. And I'm here for you. I'm sorry for, for mm-hmm. not letting you in that, that night. And she never answered me. That was really, really unlike her. You know, like, mm-hmm. I would have been happy with a go to hell or, or it's Any, okay. Anything, anything. Yes. You know? Like, anything. absolutely anything would have been fine with me just so that I knew she was okay. But she didn't answer at all. And that's not who Andrea is. She always answers. So... Mike, uh, if I
0: can jump in, Mike, how did you find out about all this?
1: That day? Well, Aaron,
2: Aaron and I kept the dialogue, and she, she, when she was checking around with people, she would call me and keep me filled in with what's going on. And so it was mine was just specifically my conversation with Aaron and uh, our worry about it, and it obviously went to day one, to day two, and then we. Got very worried, and and uh, we start checking around more, and and then um, I guess the, the Friday morning is is when we talked. Aaron and I talked last, and I said we can't wait any longer. You got to file the police report, even mm-hmm. though she does run off and stay with a a friend or two for a couple of days every now and then. Uh, we can't wait any longer.
0: And that's maybe a good question I need to ask you. Just maybe in the months, I realize, uh, you know, it's we unfortunately we're going to be coming up on, and you know, it's like two and a half years now. But thinking back to earlier in 2019, how long, uh, the way you remember it, how long was the longest time that maybe Andrea would be out of touch with both of you and her mother and her other sister with, you know, maybe her friends were seeing her, but how long, what was the longest she ever kept out of touch with her family?
1: Minutes or hours. She would never go a full day without talking to any wow. of us. So that's okay. why I was really worried when it became late afternoon and no one had seen her. Okay. Um, all right. It, uh, let, let me,
0: uh, let me ask you one more thing. Being that you were calling all these friends and this one particular friend that you thought probably was the best choice, uh, where Andrea might've gone, whether she got another Uber to go there or Amber picked her up or something in between. Uh, did you wait until you spoke to Amber before you got the police involved or yes, did you, how long did it take to, to get, you know, Amber's attention?
1: It took her a couple of days. Let's see. So it was the thirteenth when I began calling around fourteen, fifteen. It was four days before she finally got back wow. to me, and that's that's when all hell broke loose, and I knew something was seriously wrong. She told me it had been over a weeks since she talked to Andrea, or I think even two weeks. It had been a lot longer than any of us had realized, mm-hmm. and that's when I, I called Dad and I was like, "Dad, something is really wrong, and we need to call the police." Like I said. I'm scared, though, because, yeah. like I said, no one thinks that their family is going to go missing. I said, Dad, like, not only did I tell her she couldn't stay with me, but now I'm going to be basically calling the police on her. I was like, I'm scared. Like, I don't want her to be even madder at me than she already is. Mm-hmm. But but if she needs help, we need to help her, like, right now. So, basically, that those are my thoughts. And I said, Dad, what do you think? And he said, I agree. Aaron, you need to make the police report. So, that's what I did.
0: Okay. Did, uh, did Amber ever give you any reason why it took so long to reach her? Why she didn't get back to you immediately, especially since you were leaving messages with her saying, Hey, Andrea's missing. Is she there? Please call me back. Did she ever offer any explanation for that?
1: She's, she's really, when her and Andrea were living together, she was a lot more responsive and, and kept up with me better. But Mm -hmm. for some reason, when they, when they stopped living together, mm-hmm. she she was always harder to get a hold of after that, and she, to this mm-hmm. day, she's still really hard for me to get a hold of. So, I thought I didn't I didn't ask her why, and I right, just she knew, but she, I,
0: she didn't give you any explanation either. She wasn't like no, you know no. what I apologize. I was out of town. I apologize. I had something going on. I apologize. My phone wasn't working. Nothing like that.
1: No, it's she always is like that. And it's it's frustrating, but I just have to deal with it if I want to communicate with
0: her. Okay. So you finally do talk to her, but she says she hadn't spoken to Andrea maybe since August 7th or something. Like a while. Yeah. Or
1: before that, even. Even Yeah. Before
0: that, even. Okay. All right. So here's this person that you thought, uh, you know, both you and Mike uh, thought that um, she was, you know, communicating with you, maybe even seeing. And then this woman tells you no i have not seen her at all okay what about uh the father of both of Andrea's children What you know I, I understand the listeners should know the, they're not suspected in her disappearance anything like that but in reaching them did they have any insight at all
1: i spoke with her older child's father and he said that he was trying to get a hold of her for you know her, for their child mm-hmm. and he was worried and, the and the
0: younger son's dad, uh, said he
1: didn't know he hadn't talked to her. Okay. Do they, so
0: uh, do they live in the immediate area, uh, of, yes. uh, you know, driving distance, I guess? Yes. Okay. All right. So you said, uh, you said it was a Friday. You're going to have to maybe, uh, what date do you think it was that you finally got the police involved?
1: It was the
0: 17th, August 17th. August 17th. And what did they do? How many people did they talk to? Did they go, for example, did they go speak to Amber? Did they, uh, of course, I'm guessing they interviewed Ethan and Sarah. Who did they talk to? And in in addition, uh, any searches done along the route? You know, they thought she was walking back to your mother's house. What all went on with the police in those first few days?
1: Well, yeah. I can tell you when I did the police report, it was just a regular patrol officer that mm-hmm. came and took down all the information and handed me a case number and left. So
0: yeah,
1: that was scary because I was like, is that it? You know, like you don't know what's going to really? happen. And I feel like it, I felt like they were kind of slower than I expected. I mean, no one thinks that you don't really think about how they're going to respond. It just was not as fast as I was thinking they would. I thought that they'd, jump right on it immediately and that was
2: not the case nope, so there's no, no evidence of a crime there that's the reason that's true uh, adults adults can go missing uh, and it's very legal for them to be missing and uh just their prerogative so there's no well, then, there was no evidence of a crime yet and that's that's why they took their time and then obviously the understaffing issues and other issues are, are a, a side note on that
0: yeah okay so they show up they take this report um, you know, and I'm going to be doing a YouTube video just so everybody understands, uh, the locations of, uh, where both of these houses are, Aaron, where maybe you live there today, none of my business, but were you at least living in 2019 and the other house, but for example, was there's a, uh, a, a, golf course right there. Was it searched anything like that? Anybody do any, um, going door to door in the air and knocking on all the doors between Erin, you know, your place and your mother's house, anything like that?
1: Yeah, we did search. Um, we knocked on doors and who, we didn't get everyone to answer, but we talked to everyone that would answer. We looked to see if they had cameras at all. And if, if they did, we wrote down their addresses and gave them to Tracy for him to go back and, you know, see if he could search their footage.
2: Tracy's the private investigator. Okay
1: and uh mark baker was the other one um we had a a canine search fallen pure group search the woods behind my house it's there's a strip of woods and then there's a golf course um i don't know if that's something you can see on the map or not okay but yeah so they searched the field there's a big field and the woods um found nothing Ah, uh, since then we've searched any area that we get sightings, you know, mm-hmm. possible sightings in. Um, we searched day and night, staked out areas. We fully expected to find her. Yeah, we we thought it's possible she she could have had a mental breakdown or maybe drugs. Sure. Like the, that's that's what the early thought was, maybe that she chose to leave, and that's yeah. what we were hoping because we wanted her to be okay. So for a long time we were looking for her alive and okay, and. Mm -hmm. and it was a very urgent matter for us that we worked hard on i was getting babysitters and as -hmm. much as i could i was i was there helping with the, the investigation
0: and the listeners should understand um this is a city area you've already explained it maybe it has its own private police force but it's a neighborhood yes the golf course is there but really for the most part it's just a neighborhood you know houses kind of close to each other it's regular city streets Stoplights, crosswalks, all those things, correct?
1: Right. And the golf course is, you know, landscaped, obviously, Mm -hmm. and people go golfing there regularly. So I don't think it wouldn't really make sense for her to be there without anybody seeing, you know?
0: Right. Of course, once again, two and a half years later, if maybe she ended up unfortunately there, you would have thought with all the the keeping they do of golf courses, somebody would have run across her remains, for example
1: that's possible yeah mm-hmm. and um there are there is beargrass creek that runs through louisville mm-hmm. and i think there's a golf there's a a pond that's on the golf course so i mean mm-hmm. there are i feel like there's bodies of water that still need to be searched
0: okay Just all right all right let's move on to this now so the police show up as mike you've already stated as i've told the listeners many times over the last five plus years mm-hmm. It's very difficult when adults go missing and there's not any clear sign. It was, it, you know, that there was foul play. That a lot of times the police just shrug their shoulders and say, "I, you know, I don't know what you want us to do. You know, we'll keep an eye out for her and everything, but you know, you know, they'll do what they can. But if there's no really signs of foul play, a lot of times they're stumped. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm trying to change that, but that is certainly the current situation. Um, let's move on to this. Now we've already talked about these cell phone. I'm calling them pings, but as you explained, you got this information through Google dashboard. When was that first done? Who did that? And what did that information say?
1: Tracy Leonard was the first person to do that. Um, I took, I asked mom for Andrea's laptop and I handed it over to Tracy and he checked the Google timeline. And then after that. I'd say a week after Andrew went missing, he, he gave it to the police.
0: Okay. Um, and what do those pings show? As we've already kind of uh, alluded to it, they did show that after she was at your house at one thirty-eight in the morning, the pings did go back to your mother's house.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: And how long were those pings in that area according to Google?
1: At the time, what we saw in that timeline was that she was there for hours. Um, and that her phone, I think it was possibly three thirty in the morning, then it turned off and then it came back on briefly at six thirty one in the morning. And there's been when it came on at six thirty one in the morning, it was barely it was probably a split second. It was as if someone turned it on after mm-hmm. it had already died and then it went right back off. That's that's what it sounded like to me. Yeah. And and it was not able to calculate the location at that point. But okay.
0: okay, so no maybe, to be, uh, maybe to be a little more accurate with this then. So what you're saying is around 3.30 something, uh, it did ping around your mother's house, but then it went off. But when it came back on, it did not necessarily say where it was.
1: Yes, that's, that's what... At the time, that's what we... Was seen and, and thought to-
2: it was yeah it was just a flicker so it, it, it wasn't long enough to calculate that it was there or the location had changed we we don't know okay Edward we we've got some newer news too and um, we can't go into a whole lot of depth but mm-hmm. uh, th- there's been a there's been a breakthrough on the timeline that uh, is not widely public yet um, so it's evolving uh, they they found more mm-hmm. information that leads. Away from the home, and, and that's okay. about all we can say. Okay. And um, it's you... it's ongoing, uh, it's it's being investigated, um, but it's more indicative of something moving away from the house. Okay. Aaron, do you want to have anything to add to that yeah, without t- saying too much?
1: And we've gotten the investigators have gotten statements
0: mm-hmm.
1: that that go along with that with that possibility that. So we have other someone else backing it up now.
0: Okay. Is If I can ask, uh, I, I realize it sounds to me you only want to say so much about this. Is this information then that was gathered through electronic means like Google, or is this something more human-based? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. All right, so what you're saying is there may be electronic information after, you you know, it doesn't sound to me, uh, once again, in my experience, that the 630-something ping uh, has given you much, but you're saying that there might be something else that did after the 330 uh, ping at uh, your mother's house.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's
2: indicative that she left the house Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe spent some time elsewhere for two hours.
1: Okay yeah she oh. wasn't it's sad that she wasn't actually at mom's for all those hours that she was just there briefly and went somewhere else
2: okay, or the yeah. phone was or the phone wasn't there so, and yeah, yeah and that's,
0: that's certainly something we have to remember just because a phone ping somewhere does not mean the person is there we learned that
1: too many that's times true. and
0: too many disappearances all right that's, that's certainly right. true uh, okay um, and that's, uh, is this information once again, we're doing this interview on January 23rd, 2022. Is this information that just popped up since the beginning of the year? Let's say.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes.
0: Okay. In
2: three, the last few, last couple, two, three weeks.
0: Okay. Very good. All right. And I realize you, you can't talk about it this time. So we have to be open to the idea that Andrea was. Somewhere else uh, that early morning, or getting into the you know, the maybe that when the sun is coming up uh, of August 13th, uh, that just isn't known to the public. You know what it is, but you're gonna keep it under wraps for now, okay? So, listeners, you're just gonna have to be happy with that for now. All right, let's move on to this. What about the actual cell phone records? Uh, not the pings, but the actual people. Or text messages, uh, of course, Facebook Messenger, etc. Do you know any information that you can talk about uh, about that?
2: Erin, you you want to go?
1: Well, I know that she was looking through her phone to get someone to pick her up, and I've talked to a couple of her friends who told me that she was reaching reaching them asking for a ride. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: or, I, I say asking for a ride, but she didn't. She wasn't wanting a ride. She was wanting. To hang out and spend time with your friends is what I meant.
0: At two um, at two in the morning. Yes. Okay.
1: And Suzette, I think, was already asleep or like halfway asleep. And I think Suzette missed her call. and tell them tell them who
2: Suzette is. They didn't, they may not know. Yeah, who Suzette that, is. you're gonna
0: have to probably say who's that Suzette Sorry. is, please.
1: Yeah. So Suzette is Andrea's friend of many years. They also mm-hmm. volunteered with Missing in America together. So they're okay. the ones that she's the one who Andrea started with missing in America um, Mm -hmm. with. So Suzette was one of the people who has told me that Andrea called her and she said she missed the call and then called her right back. Like she might've been about to sleep or something. And Andrea didn't answer when she called back. And then another person was a a family member of her ex, uh, her son's dad's family member. Um, that they were she was actually friends with her also um she had asked her to come pick her up and and i guess she was Mm -hmm. not the type of person to be driving out at nighttime, let alone late at night so she didn't do it and they feel just they feel terrible about it obviously
0: but you don't we should be clear you don't actually have her phone record in fact this is something we've talked about before this interview today But we, you don't actually have the actual Andrea's actual phone records for that night and morning.
1: Right. Police have told me like when I when I've talked to the police about mm-hmm. this, I'll say, you have her phone records. you have her laptop, which you told me is logged into all her social media. I thought that when I handed the, that laptop over to the police, they'd find her within a matter of days because yep. I know for a fact that Andrea, her main way of communication was through facebook messenger so it didn't make any sense to me at all that they weren't able to immediately find her that that to this day still blows my mind
0: and what do they say about that i know i'm guessing you've probably said that to them what do they say to that
1: yeah they they, he said he looked through it all and didn't find anything helpful i don't i don't buy it it makes no sense to me okay
0: but regarding the phone records, whether she had Sprint or, or uh, T-Mobile, which is what I have, AT&T or whatever, you don't have those actual phone records like we would get, for example, in a bill. You don't have those records.
1: Yeah. Right. I think it's possible that maybe the phone number, I mean, people that people that do things that they, that they don't want other people to know about, obviously, mm-hmm. will sometimes have burner phones. And I wonder if maybe the police have numbers on there they couldn't figure out who it belonged to and so they just said well yeah. this is not giving us information let's move on to something else like basically
0: okay well that's
1: we, we, don't, do there's no,
0: we should be clear though there's no proof of that
1: right there uh, isn't, that's just but that's
0: just an yeah. idea
1: yeah that's okay. a possibility that okay. i think about
0: all right uh but have you tried to get her actual phone records are you going to try to do that
1: No, we've tried through the police Mm. and they
0: won't give it up. Okay. All right. So we have a situation where you have these pings. It sounds like there's some new information that we can't reveal in this interview today. But so we have that. And as far as maybe I should ask you this. How did you, being that you don't have any phone records, how did you even find, did these people, the Suzette and this other woman, did they just voluntarily contact you and say, oh, you know, Andrea called me that morning or text me or whatever?
1: Suzette told me right, told me right away when I was looking, yes, when I was looking for Andrea about the last time that she, you know, had any type of interaction with Andrea. And that's what she told me. And then the second person just told me this very recently, like a f- couple weeks ago.
0: Wow. Any reason that she waited that long? Do you know?
1: She told me that she was mad at us and she thought that we, she said she thought we weren't being very helpful to Andrea. But from my perspective, that doesn't make any sense.
0: Okay. Does Once again, being that this was a family member of one of Andrea's exes, uh, Mike or Aaron, does it surprise you that Andrea reached out to her in a time of need?
2: you know what it, i can't really answer that but it really didn't matter to us we were mm-hmm. going to check everybody okay as a matter of fact that same family member is the first person i visited uh, probably right after we pretty much knew andrew was missing the friday or saturday mm-hmm. I, I went to the young lady's house and knocked on the wow. door
0: okay that's very so amazing.
2: we you know we got on it right away and started um Doing the groundwork ourselves because we knew the police weren't going to be real busy right away. They didn't. Even, they probably didn't believe she was missing, and it certainly wasn't an urgency to them. They may have had, you know, five other five-year-olds missing for all we know.
0: Okay, let's move on to this. Of course, we've talked about uh, the father, uh, the fathers of Andrea's children. Uh, once again, my understanding is that neither of them are considered suspects in any of this. There's no proof that she contacted any of them, maybe that one family member, but not them specifically. And Andrea's uh, sons were with each of those men at the time of this disappearance. But what about any new men in her life? Do you know if um, the police looked into these people? Uh, Did you look into any of them? Um, Because as you would suspect, a lot of times when women... Go missing, and there is foul play. It is done by a guy in you know in they have a relationship with or something like that. Uh, any what to have any of these newer men or man said about her disappearance if there is one?
1: okay, yeah, we at the time of leading up to injury going missing, she the people that she was, you know any man that was in her life that she was seeing at the time, yeah she was not she wasn't telling me about it okay. but. She, people would pick her up sometimes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and she, she wouldn't say who they were or they sometimes they would go by nicknames we ended up finding out who one of those people was through her roommate or her roommate and best friend amber and and we knocked on his well dad I think you actually did um, yes
2: mm-hmm.
1: it wasn't me but he would not give us any information or he didn't have any uh, dad what do you what was that? Well, I'm,
2: I just must say, uh, you know, the 30,000-foot the, the picture is that there are, there are a lot of people, a lot of acquaintances, and a lot of problems with a, a whole lot of these people, mm-hmm. had records and uh, bad, bad behavior, jail time, drug involvement. Uh, but yes, I, along with uh, Mark Baker, the one of the private investigators who is is deceased now, is, is he? He left mm-hmm. us about a year ago as a young man. Um, we we knocked on his door, and um, uh, he never made it to the door. We only spoke to his girlfriend. Wow. But yeah, um, uh, the. You know, that's that's just something that didn't work out we never it's one of the many 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 things maybe a hundred things that, that mm-hmm. fell through but the, the problem with this case is that that your listeners like find fascinating is it was stated before in some of the other cases there may be a hundred people of interest a hundred different people True, that yeah. you'd have to look at yeah. and it's and it's just a deep deep bench of people to consider mm-hmm. and, and um and there's not just one person that might have had a at a record or had some drug activity or something And there, there there are multiple ones and mm-hmm. i i think all those bad characters and in in the the, the the fact that she was living a high-risk lifestyle has made this uh this case just extraordinarily difficult and it was mentioned as such by uh, one of the um, other private investigators that uh, although he worked 30 years in in um, homicide Mm -hmm. in another city he thinks this is one of the most complicated cases he's ever seen
0: okay what about uh, Ethan and Sarah? Uh, what have uh, they had to say about this? And maybe we just need to ask this: being that um, that uh, Andrea was living at this house, uh, did she not have a key uh, to get into this house over there? Was there not, you know, um, you know, like a key that was hidden outside that she could have gotten in uh, on her own? Um, even if Ethan and Sarah, you know, if they say they were sleeping, I'm willing to believe that. Could she not get into the house on her own? What, what, what have they had to say about any of that?
1: So the way I found out about the key situation and her not having one is it was two weeks. It was about two weeks before Andrea went missing. She, I was planning on meeting one of my friends at the park with our children, and she called me and was wanting to hang out. I told her what we were doing, and she was like, sure, I'll go with you. So we have, we we spend time together with our kids at the park and then when i went to bring andrea home um sarah and ethan were not there so she said i can't get into the house until they get home so we sat in the driveway and while and i waited with her while she called called sarah they said they were at the hardware store and they're on their way way back to let her in so they came back let her in and and that was it and i talked to my mom and sarah and i was like you know, why doesn't she have a key? That's that's weird. That, you know, like if you say she can live there, why does she not have a key? And my mom said that she's she's tired like our whole life after we moved out, grew up and moved out of our mother's house, we've all three had keys and she was tired of everybody being able to get into her house is what she said. And she and and I guess with Sarah and Ethan doing the all the renovations, another factor was that all those expensive tools were there and i guess they were worried about that you know with andrea having a high risk lifestyle yeah i think i think it was related to that you know you want to help someone that you love but you also don't want to hurt yourself in the process so i think that was their way of being able to control what was happening in the home
0: okay uh regarding ethan and sarah uh were they when, you know, you know, maybe when these pings of course came to light and it showed that the phone pinged, uh, you know, in close proximity to the house where they were staying, uh, how shocked were they by, uh, by all that?
1: What do you mean? Like Well,
0: um, obviously, if they were asleep, they did not know that you, of course, drove her over to there. And then she came back to your place again. And then, of course, it showed the ping showed that she went back over to there. Were they surprised when they saw these pings and said, oh, she was right outside our door for a couple hours and we didn't know it?
1: Well, I, I was not like there with them when they figured that out
2: mm-hmm. or when they were
1: told that. Yeah, I talked to them after they already realized it, so I'm not really sure. Okay. I I just said, like did you hear from her that night? And mm. yeah, they and Sarah said no. Okay. That's all I remember. Your,
2: yes, your viewers may also want, to, uh, your listeners may also want to know that uh, this was uh, mid-August. It was probably ninety degrees or mid-eighties, yeah. um, maybe low eighties. She might have she might have just crashed in her car that was sitting in the driveway, mm. broken down. So that that's one of the theories that she may have spent the night there for okay. a couple for a couple hours anyway. Yeah.
1: Okay. And the reason that we the reason that we thought that is because when Andrea first moved into Mom's house that there were times where they would argue and Andrea would you know as a way to like be stubborn she would go outside and sleep in her car sometimes like she did it maybe once or twice um because of an argument like she chose to do that so that's why we thought it's possible that, that night she did that because she couldn't get in the house
0: Okay that makes a lot of sense let's move on to this and i'm bringing it up because we know that just not too many hours before she went missing she used this service but has anybody checked uber to make sure that uh she, being that she just used uber that she did not use uber again to get out of the area yes yes the uh,
2: there- the police checked um, mm-hmm. with this person that was driving the Uber. I said, matter of fact, I sat on his residence too for a while. Obviously, he was a suspect. You know, yeah. he he knew what was going on. If if you know Andrea, she she probably told him everything that was going on in her life and huh. that she was in a. Situation where she was vulnerable, yeah. and uh, who, who knows? We don't know who this guy was. He could have been a uh, somebody that watches out for for people like this, uh, mm. uh, for a group that would traffic. For all we know, uh, so he he was interviewed by the private investigators. The police were made aware mm. of it, and uh, everything we've got from that has said that that he was not involved.
0: Okay, so Uber's been checked. No proof. That used Uber, or I guess we could include Lyft in this. Any any ride service like that that morning, or That's even right. just good old fashioned taxi. No proof of any no. of that. That's
2: right. It, if it was, it was off. It was off the grid and uh, okay. off the record. Okay. Very
0: good. Now we can't forget uh, that Andrea did have some, uh, quite a bit. I guess what it's just been explained about five years of missing persons experience, uh, following d- disappearances. Uh, Working in that, volunteering, and I can tell you that from the work that I've done for the last five plus years, probably if I wanted to go off the grid or however you want to put it for an extended period of time, I could probably do it because I've covered so many disappearances. Um, Do you think that that could be a factor in Andrea's disappearance being that she also got involved in disappearances that she would have known, you know what, I know what I need to do if I wanted to go off the grid for a while, is that entered your mind? Do you think that she had enough understanding like that to being that her phone did go off seemingly around the time that she went missing, uh, any insight into any of that at all?
2: Edward, everything has entered our mind, uh, including that. And, uh, we, you know, we've, we've understood that people, when they do that, they usually have to have things set up somehow in advance, Mm. um, we didn't think that was even possible. Uh, we we know for a fact she even had interviews lined up, I believe, shortly after she went missing. So she was planning on rebounding the way it looked to us. So, but but we know of ways that, that it could be done, or somebody could have t- taken her and and somewhere else, way out of town. That's we think that's still the most likely thing that happened. But um, you, you know, there's there's uh, there, there's different groups. I think there's one in South. Eastern uh, Kentucky on the Tennessee border, uh, a group of people uh, that live completely off the grid together. Yeah. You know, Who's yeah. to say she's not there? Who's to say she's not in Mexico? Who, I mean, mm-hmm. she could be anywhere at this t- this point. I mean, anywhere at all.
1: That would be a dream come true if she was okay and, and just chose to do this. But We'd be
2: very happy about yeah, that. Of course. We'd be very, of course very happy to see her live.
0: Uh, if I can just go back maybe to the phone information for a, a little bit. Uh, Is it your understanding then, do you think, uh, if if anybody's been able to tell you this, is it a belief that she shut her phone off or that um, the battery went dead? Do we know what kind of charging situation she had on her battery at the time of her disappearance? Any insight into that?
2: And that should be you.
1: Okay. Well, she did not mention her phone being close to being dead that night. I know that if she had a charger like, well, she did not. She definitely did not have a charger with her. She only had a flat wallet that she was putting in her back pocket. And then she had her phone, like there was no cord or anything, but she did have access to her car. And also my mom's garage has an outlet that Andrea knows is there, you know, from our since our childhood that she could have used to charge her phone. So it's, I'm not sure if she did or not, but it was possible that she could have because of the garage. Okay.
0: So is it possible she could have been uh, charging her phone, let's just say, from that 1.38 when she walked walked back over to your mother's house until 3.30 or whenever the, I guess the phone seemingly went off and then it came back on for a second, yeah. maybe?
1: She could have also used her car charger, I guess, if, okay. if it was a get a charger with her.
0: Okay. All right. So we're still not sure if the phone died or somebody or she uh, shut it off. But like you said, it, it sounds to me like you've gotten some new information uh, two and a half years into this. Uh, being that it's phone information or, or technical information is uh, is certainly interesting to me. Okay. Um the last two plus years, as you've mentioned more than once, and as many guests have said on this program, never expect that this is going to happen to them. How has your uh, family um, you know, dealt with this?
1: I think about it all the time. I worry. I'm uh, much more careful. I was already a careful person before this, but now I'm a lot more careful. I think about it. And everyday situations that, you know, with my kids, with anyone that I love, I think about how easy your life, how tragedy can be right around the corner if you're not careful. Just because of how normal this situation seemed, it it completely changed my perspective and it changed the entire course of my life.
2: And it can be there if you're careful too, Aaron. Yeah. It it can hit anybody anytime. It really can. But um, the, the family, the family dynamics have really any cracks uh, that were there, I think, have widened any good relationships were strengthened. so um, mm-hmm. to, to be perfectly honest, Aaron and I, my relationship have, have really strengthened. We're, we are truly a team in every sense uh, mm-hmm. in this search for for Andrea and. Um, uh, my my relationship with my youngest daughter, Erin. Excuse me, Sarah, is not so good right now. She um, she's just very upset over this whole thing. She's mad at me. She she doesn't think I did enough to help Andrea. She doesn't even know what I've done, but she doesn't think mm-hmm. I did enough. And she's she's very angry at me. And um, and I think Erin could probably comment on uh, her mother. Erin. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, my mom has never really, so, uh, yeah, and he, he's right about the cracks that were already there mm-hmm. have been widened, and, um, mm-hmm. and, okay. and, then there's,
2: and then there's some animosity, I feel, that, uh, the approach to, to how to try to find Andrea, I, I think, have, have created these things, too. Aaron and I have been extraordinarily active, yeah. and, um, I've said it before, we, we decided not to uh, cocoon ourselves and uh, um, start drinking lots of alcohol or whatever. Um, we, we decided to convert our depression into activity, and and uh, we, we are very, very human and very fragile. We understand it, and we, we still have very much very terrible down day still but we pick each other up and we we keep looking and and we've been very aggressive and it's hard to see. believe it's been almost two and a half years but yeah. the energy the energy's still there and we do things every day
0: every yeah, single day. And, and it sounds to me like as you stated you have some new information just within the last few weeks that uh, i i guess it sounds to me like although you can't totally talk about it it sounds like it's going in a positive direction like it's going to reveal you know some more you know make some more revelations here
2: it's it's maybe progressing a little bit but i you know i'm always skeptical about that i I need Mm. to also say that uh, as part of the, the dynamics um some people may have this this thing may be beating them down others have grown in this horrible, horrible family tragedy. And the, and the person that has grown is Erin. She, um, she was a mid, truly a middle sister, maybe had a little bit of that syndrome. She, she has grown and strengthened. She's a fighter. She is relentless, tremendous energy. And um, I, am, um, I am amazed uh, at, at the energy and the strength that she has shown and how she's grown in this. And, and this is a big part of this story. And, um, uh, and I, I want to thank her for doing this to help find your sister, my daughter. And um, I'm, I'll never, um, ever ever underestimate you in anything, and I'm just amazed by your strength. Thank you, Dad. You're welcome.
0: Do you have a Facebook page, website, uh, Twitter feed, anything you want to talk about as to the places uh, that people can go to find out, you know, if you're posting anywhere, writing about uh, what's going on? Uh, please talk about those sites right now.
1: Yes, so... The way Dad and I are a team, along with the private investigators, is we we divide up tasks so that we can be the most effective. And with me being a single mother, and you know needing to be at home, with, and for my children, I handle the raising awareness aspect of it and social media. So, my, the main place that I raise awareness and give updates and give out volunteer opportunities is on Facebook. There is Where is Andrea Knavel, which is a Facebook page. Also, I have one called Finding Andrea. And mm-hmm. the third one is a group on Facebook that is called Andrea Knavel uh, Missing in Louisville, Kentucky Case Discussion. That one was used to be a gossip group, but I started using it to raise awareness, and they ended up handing the group over to me. So, mm-hmm. Dad, and, Dad and I, it was Dad's idea that I started this group. It's a volunteer group. It's called Andrea's Angels. It's a group chat and and messenger. We have, uh, let's see, over 300 members now. They're volunteers that help us raise awareness for Andrea. Anyone that wants to join can comment or message me. Just let me know that you want to join Andrea's Angels and I will add you. So the purpose of that group is to raise awareness. We brainstorm ideas, and uh, write podcasters like yourself. Uh, you, mm-hmm. This podcast came mm-hmm. from Andrea's Angels, actually. Um, and anyone else that we think can help us raise awareness about Andrea. So um, another thing I do is I'll share any posts. I, on a daily basis, I at least create one post or several, and I share the post to Andrea's Angels, and their job is to share it all over social media so that it's not just me doing the sharing i've had my facebook account get locked out multiple times because it, it thinks i'm spam because of how much i share huh. every day okay. so so i have people helping me with that so it's not just on me and then um also i have learned instagram recently um twitter reddit mm-hmm. and discord um just to reach different oh yeah on TikTok, just to reach reach different yeah. audiences so you can find me on any of those
0: Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, so, listeners, please, uh, and uh, as uh, we lead up to this episode, by this time, uh, by the time everybody hears our voices, I will have posted to all those accounts linked to them uh, one way or the other uh, on Facebook and, and elsewhere for sure. Uh, Mike and Aaron, any final words before we complete this interview?
1: Um, I think, Andrew, Andrew, if you can hear me at all. Please let us know that you're okay. I love you, and I, I really hope that you're okay.
2: Yes, I, I would. I would like to tell him some good things uh, about Andrea. Uh, that she was a fantastic sister and a second mother to her two sisters um obviously you know she would search for missing people even though they were strangers so yes. she would search for anybody that is your listener if she had the chance to do it she was a very caring neighbor that took dinner over to a retired uh, vet she was a woman's advocate she she took Ten women to an attorney and accompany them to court to help them with their situ- with their very bad situations. Uh, she did many many things to help other people, even though she was in a completely distressed situation herself in almost every way possible. And um, I I kind of came up with the, the essence of her message if if uh, your listeners would would even have listened to this. But um, Andrea's message would be. Um, and uh, I thought long and hard on this is that uh, um, we as people should help people now when they need it. Not wait till our life is perfect where we accumulated riches or you're retired or it's the perfect time and never arises. Help people now when they need it is what Andrea would would uh, tell your listeners.
0: I think that's a great message, Mike. I appreciate that. That is that is uh, thank you. Okay. Sure. Well, uh, I, I can tell all uh, both of you. That and I say this in almost any interview, and I'm gonna say it again that uh, Mike and Aaron, this is just the beginning of us knowing each other. Uh, I of course hope that Andrea is found uh, alive uh, tomorrow. It, you know that's what I always hope for, but if that doesn't happen, uh, and this goes a little longer than that, I, I want you to know that I'll always be here as a resource. If things are going on and you need uh, an opinion on something, of course it would be our discussions would totally um, be off the record. You know, if you need somebody that you can trust or, you know, somebody to talk about something, I have a lot of experience, 240 disappearances now, knowing people just like yourselves, I will give you my best advice. Okay. Anytime. You can call me anytime. So this is just- we would
2: appreciate that. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome. So this is just, I think, the beginning of us uh, knowing each other. And of course, like I said, I hope Andrea is found alive as soon as possible. And I appreciate you both being on this episode of Unfound.
1: Thank you. And thanks
2: for having us. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you for having us and spreading the awareness.
0: You're welcome. And that was my January 23rd, 2022 dual interview with Michael Knable, father of Andrea and Aaron Canabel, sister of Andrea. I thank them both for appearing on this episode. As I mentioned during the interview, I've done a map analysis of the area where Andrea disappeared. I look at the route and surrounding geography from where Aaron lived to where Andrea was staying with her sister and her fiance. Please find that video on the Unfound podcast channel on YouTube. I listed the disappearances of Jamie Bowen, Layla Faulkner, T.J. Murray and Dal Phillips at the beginning of this episode. Like Andrea, they were all going through stuff. Whether that was drug problems, Jamie and Layla, health problems, Dal, or people problems, T.J. So in your own contemplation of what happened to Andrea, you may want to go back and listen to those episodes again. The problem, those four cases are still unsolved. And really, I think if I were to poll all of you asking what happened in each, I would probably get 50-50 splits whether they walked off or got picked up. What may help us, though, is that in those others, we didn't get cell phone information that was helpful. Whereas with Andrea, we have proof that she called at least a couple of people looking for a ride. This would then lend support to the idea that someone picked her up and something caused Andrea's disappearance after that. And in that way, we may look at Andrea's disappearance like Allie Lowitzer's. Both went missing after talking to people about a ride and both phones seemingly went off right after those conversations. Likewise, despite their age differences, Allie and Andrea seemed to be going through some tough things before they disappeared. The problem? Allie's case is now over 10 years old and still unsolved, despite her phone information being widely known and the boy's inner life being interviewed. The question is, are the two cases similar enough to think that the same thing happened to both females. I'm not sure. You be the judge. Maybe most importantly, we can't forget Andrea's own experiences with missing persons cases. Could this have aided her if she wanted to disappear? I can only speak for myself. After five years of doing Unfound, I surely know more than the average person as to what it would take to disappear. So it makes sense to me to believe Andrea's knowledge was similar. Thus, we must consider this. Could one of our own done this all on our own? I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've been listening to Unfound.